Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today has been involved in martial arts for 25 years. In 2017, he started Somerset Applied Karate, and in 2019, he attained his fourth dan under Ian Abernathy. In addition to martial arts, he's involved with art and design and has done work for other martial arts clubs. He's also a fan of comic books, video games, and TV and movies. He's also the co-host of the Conversations on Karate podcast. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Greg Lenham. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good. I'm really pleased with how cool you made me sound there. You made me sound way better than I could ever make myself sound. I, I pride myself on my intros. Those are ones, that's, that's why I asked for the bio. I like to make the intro sound. I actually had one yeah, of my I'm, one I'm of my guests have me send me him the recording of his intro so he could have it. I was going to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that. I'm going to put that on, like a, on my social media or something. Oh, there you go. Nice, nice. So what we do with all my guests, I want to jump into the beginning. I want to know what that first okay. interest, that first spark that led to your interest in martial arts uh my first interest in martial arts uh was the power rangers believe it or not nice okay yeah yeah back in the day uh so I, yeah i started in uh 97 uh, was when i started martial arts okay uh when i was seven years old um, wow. and i think it was to be honest it was probably a combination of uh me being just a shy kid and my parents wanting to get me into some kind of sport i think okay and that kind of coincided with me going oh the power rangers is really cool so I think they immediately jumped on that and was like, oh, you like Power Rangers? Let's try martial arts. Nice. And, uh, yeah, that's where it started. Okay. And what, what, what was that first style you studied? Uh, so I, I started off in Shotokan Karate. Okay. Um, I mean, our club our club was Shotokan Karate and Kickboxing. So it was kind okay. of a, a blend of the two, really. And that's, that's where I, I stayed pretty much. Okay. So think back to those those early few classes, you know, those first one, two, three classes. Once you got into it, what was it that made you want to stay, you know, specifically about that style, specifically about that school? Um, I mean, well, in terms of the style of school, that was obviously the only one I really knew at that point. But what made me stay, to be honest, was kind of just the people there. It was a really big class at the time, I remember. And there was quite a lot of, uh, it was a mixture of kids and adults. Okay. Um, so there was a combination of having, I think, kids my age to hang out with and, and train with who were into the same kind of stuff as me. And then there was also like the adults at the other end looking up at them going, that looks really cool. I want to do that. Nice. And what about um, your first instructor? Yeah. What are some things you remember about your instructor? So my first instructor, if, if anyone listens to the podcast, you'll hear the name Jeff thrown about a lot. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Jeff, Jeff Richards was, was my main teacher for, yeah, most, most of those 25 years, really. But we're still, he, he doesn't teach anymore now, but uh, we still kind of catch up okay. regularly. I'm trying to get him on our podcast, but we'll need about six hours because he can talk for a long, long time. <laughs> well, that's good, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But no, he, what, what really struck me uh, about him, and the more I kind of think back, the more I 
realise, I don't know how rare it is, maybe, but it's, was, he was always involved in the training with everyone. He would he would train with everyone, partner nice. up with everyone as much as he could. Uh, he would always spar with everyone. Yeah, so he was just a really involved teacher. Okay. Uh, and I liked that. And I try and uh, I try and kind of be like that as best I can. And anytime I, I meet someone who studied Shotokan, because uh, Shotokan was my second style I learned when I was in high school, uh, I got to ask, okay. did, did your school have the Makiwara board? No. Really? No. Oh, man. No. I mean, we we, we were in a, I mean, I don't want to, I could I could make it sound really cool and say that we had our own amazing dojo, but mm-hmm. we, we trained in literally a school hall, so oh, okay. <laughs> we, we used uh, kick shields and focus mitts and that kind of stuff, but okay. no, no, no Makiwara board. Bummer. Okay. That was the first thing I, when I, when I started Shotokan, that's the, the first day I'm like, Oh, that's cool. I've never seen that before. <laughs> so yeah, it was kind of cool, but is that a common thing? Is it in, in, in most Shotokan schools? Or my, well, am I, kind of I, I think that for, for at least the Shotokan people I've met, it's been about half and half. It really kind of depends, kind of like the same situation. I think if they had their own actual physical location, their own building, a lot more of them had it mm. versus if they like, you know, rented from someone else, then a lot of them didn't. So it was, it's about half and half, but you know, it's, yeah. and then also the, the traditional Taekwondo school I had, they had their Korean version of a Makiwara board that was a little bit different. Like the traditional Japanese one is one that you know wrapped with like tight rope around it. And the Korean one yeah. had more of just a, a kind of a, a really light padding over it with like a tarp over it. So it's the same, yeah. same idea, but a little bit different. So, <laughs> yeah, I do, I do have one actually. I have like a, a hanging one, but I haven't got around to taking to the dojo yet. So I okay. will do. Nice. So then thinking about some of those early classes, now you you said you started in 97. Think about maybe your first two, three years. How different were the classes then compared to the classes you yourself teach now? Kind of as far as, you know, how hard they were, how much, you know, how much different it is versus how you teach adults and kids and everything. What are some of the differences that kind of stand out from back then? I mean, we are very much uh, moving away from the the quote-unquote traditional way of karate in in my own class uh, Mm -hmm. now. So we do, back then it was obviously your standard, you did a lot of line work, it was a lot of kata, traditional kumite, you know, your three steps, five steps, Mm -hmm. one steps, that kind of thing. Um, But like I said, we did have that difference, as in we did do a lot of uh, kickboxing style drills as well. So it was kind of a combination of the two. But yeah, in terms of the the line work and stuff, we rarely do that now. Oh, Just because... Personally, I don't. We'll use it if we need to use it, if someone needs it. Right. But in terms of making the whole group do it for most of the lesson, we don't tend to do that anymore. Okay. So that that's kind of the stuff I've ditched from those early years. But a lot of the stuff I've kept. Obviously, we still we still do kata. We don't do it anywhere near as much as we used to. And a lot of the kickboxing style, the ways we used to train, we've definitely kept a lot of that as well. Nice. Okay. And then did, did you do, did your school take part in any kind of competition? And is that something you got involved in? We, we did back in the day. So uh, we did for a while when I was kind of my first few years there, we did. And I did a few and then kind of after those few years, it kind of dropped off. I think just because where we were locally, there wasn't a lot of competitions to, to actually be involved in. Okay. And then after that, when I kind of um, progressed up, I kind of took the stance of, well, competition's not real. Karate anyway. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was one of those guys for a while. Okay. <laughs> um, and then uh, for, for a long time, to be fair, you know, I was fairly self-defense focused and I was like, you know, competitions, not self-defense, okay. all, all that stuff until fairly recently. Um, so I competed this year uh, for the first time since I was a kid. Wow. How'd that go? Which was 
Uh, yeah, it went alright. I mean, it didn't win, but <laughs> it went alright. It was a it was a good experience, um, and it, it definitely made me want to go go back in and do some more. So I'm looking to try and compete again this year. Nice. And what did you compete in? Did you compete in sparring? Did you compete in, in forms? Yeah, it was sparring. Yeah. Okay. So um, it was uh, a group. I'll give them a shout out to be fair. It's, um, Applied Karate Academy. Okay. Uh, out of Bournemouth in the UK. Uh, they put in a competition. Um, the rule set was basically the rules uh, for karate combat. I don't know if you've ever seen that. I um, that Baz, Baz Rutan runs. Oh, yes. Runs, yes. Is, okay. Is heavily involved with. Yes. Um, it was that rule set. So okay. it was kind of your stand up striking. You could grapple for a bit. And if it went to the ground, you get kind of five seconds to ground and pound before you get stood back up. Okay, cool. That must have been kind of fun then. It was fun, yeah. Yeah, it was a good experience. It was good. Back in, uh, you know, what what age level and what belt level did you start teaching? Um, so I started teaching, well, I say teaching is a loose term. I started <laughs> Assisting, <showing>. helping, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, basically, as soon as I got my first down, uh, and I was really young when I got my first down. I was like kind of 13. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so I was like, I was, you know, one of the, like a cadet, a cadet first down is okay. what they kind of call it. So then when you, when you get to the, the actual age and you essentially regrade to your adult first down. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I was, I was teaching then, but I would definitely help out in terms of, you know, showing people pattern and things like that. Okay. And I, I mean, obviously you, you enjoyed it because you know, at some point you ended up kind of starting your own school. So, you know, what kind of, what kind of led to that? What, what led to that decision to want to start your own school? Well, so when my instructor, he, he retired, he, he had a, a few injuries and uh, he was kind of just not, not falling out of love with karate, but he was, I think, getting frustrated that he couldn't teach and train the way that he used to. Right. So he kind of let me know that he was thinking of uh, giving up the school and asked if I wanted to take it over. And I said, yeah, yeah, of course, absolutely. So I did for a while, um, probably about a year, I think I was running, carrying on. And to be honest, I kind of not let it die a death, but I probably, I, I wasn't experienced in running a school. Okay. So it was kind of like, oh God, this is a bit different. And it was so around uh, sort of the start of 2018, I think, uh, I met a guy called Joe Andrews, who was running a, another karate club kind of down the road from me um, and we kind of started training together and realized we just joined the same association that the British Combat Karate Association yeah then we, we kind of linked up so yeah we, we we joined up together and that's where Somerset Applied Karate came from. So how, how do you think that your Somerset Applied Karate how do you think that's different from other schools? I mean I, I can't speak for everyone but it's, it, it, in terms of the traditional karate schools it's, I would say it's very different like I said we spend not a lot of time up and down in lines doing solo stuff, it, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The way I kind of explain it to people now when they ask what it is, is it's kind of karate in name only. It's kind of, I don't want to say it's MMA because it's not MMA. Right. And I don't want to make the claim that, you know, we're some kind of MMA fighters or anything like that because we're absolutely not. But it is kind of going that way in terms of the way we train. It's far more kind of live sparring focused and things like that. Okay, so it's not. So uh, I, I can't speak for how different it is to the other applied groups, but right. it's definitely different from the traditional groups. Yeah. So, you, so you definitely wouldn't consider it a Shotokan school anymore, or would you? I mean, do you still teach? No, no, no. I wouldn't. We, we we still we still obviously use um, a lot of the, the Shotokan base, okay, because that's where we come from, like in terms of kata and, and things like that. But no, I think it would uh, it wouldn't be fair for us to say that we teach Shotokan. You know, if if, if a if a traditional Shotokan purist came to us. Mm -hmm. thinking they were going to train what they used to then that's definitely not what we do 
So they definitely so be surprised. Advertisers, that's what we do. Yeah. Okay. So then you you it's, you know a little a little closer to MMA, but not quite. So obviously, I'm assuming you you throw on the ground fighting and everything. So have you gone out and seeked additional training for that? Have you done like jujitsu training, judo training, uh, other yeah, martial arts? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm yeah I'm I'm, curr- I'm training in Brazilian jiu-jitsu alongside the karate now. Okay. And that that, that was a. I was reluctant to do it for a long time, right? Uh, because I was I was under the impression that the, the jujitsu guys they're just savages who roll around on the ground and <laughs> it's not martial arts. Yeah. <laughs> I was one of those. Okay. Uh, yeah, eventually uh, it was kind of uh, Matt Jardine, who's been a, a guest on our podcast a few times, uh, who's he's done Brazilian jiu-jitsu for years, kind of convinced me. So just just go and try it and. You know, it it will change your karate as it changed his, and yeah, he was right. It's definitely it's definitely opened up my eyes to a lot of uh, what traditional karate lacks, and even what, to be honest, some of the applied karate lacks. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good uh, compliment, I think, to the karate training. How long have you been doing the BJJ then? Not long, about oh. uh, probably about eight months. Okay, and have you yeah, have you ha- have you started bringing some of that into your classes then, and teaching some of that stuff also? Yeah, absolutely. I'm just very conscious that I'm nowhere near a level that would qualify me as a as a BJJ coach, right? Anything like that. So the the stuff we do bring in is the really really bare bones basic stuff. We're definitely not doing anything advanced or anything like that. And so, have you had any of your students compete in MMA? No, we we like I said, we've recently just started uh, bringing in the competition aspect. Okay. So it would definitely be cool. I'd like to get some of our guys competing, uh, maybe not in MMA straight away if they wanted to do it, absolutely. Right. But we, we want to try and maybe start running our own competitions at some point. Oh. Just to give people an avenue to compete in because there's just not a lot where we are. It's very limited. Okay. So, so about uh, how many martial arts schools are there probably within like maybe a 20, 30 mile radius of where you are? Uh, martial arts schools is probably quite, there's a fair fair amount. I would okay. say karate schools probably not that many. I wouldn't know a number off the top of my head. There's probably I think there's maybe two or three within sort of ten miles from us. Oh, so yeah, not not that many. We're a fairly small area. So what what is kind of like the prevalent style over there? What's you know like in the U.S. most almost every city has a taekwondo school. You know what what is it over there? What's the style that has the most representation? Probably I think it's it's turning into BJJ. It feels like okay, I, I've heard like that from a few people. Yeah, it feels like you can't go anywhere without running into a BJJ school. I mean, which is which is great. Fair play to them. Um, it's definitely kind of the martial art that I think people want to do at the moment. I don't know if that's down to the UFC maybe or or what, but. Or, or they're just good at advertising, I'm not sure. But it, I, I feel it used to be karate. And I think in the UK, it probably showed the can. Back in yep. the day, it was definitely the, the prevalent style. But yeah, it seems more and more lately, it's, it's BJJ seems to be taking over everything. So do you uh any plans of actually competing in some BJJ tournaments in the future for yourself? Is that any interest? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd love to. I mean, I don't, I don't feel I'm at a, a level yet where I would, why we're doing just yet, but um, yeah, in the future, definitely, I'd like to. And then, um, so your your current school, or, or even your older school, now did uh, you do any weapons training at all? Is that something that you ever did a part of, or that you do now? No, it's not. No, we never did. Uh, Sue, who uh, does the, the podcast with me, mm-hmm. she she started doing some online Zoom training with uh, James Hatch, Sensei James Hatch, who uh, lives in Tokyo, and he, I think he's third down in. Uh, Okinawa Kabudo. Okay. So she was started learning some some weapons training from him just over Zoom. So she was doing a little bit, but you no, know, for the rest of us, 
No, never. I, I've never done it. I'd like to. I'd like to. I'd definitely like to give it a try. It's fun. Weapons is fun. That's. <laughs> I've been like. I think every school I've trained at except one has had some type of weapons. So. <laughs> the, oh really? The only one that didn't was the Shotokan school. <laughs> that one. It's. Oh. Uh, yeah. They. They never did. We never did weapons. My my Tungsudo school did. My Taekwondo school did. My American Kempo school did. <laughs> so yeah. Were they, were they kind of like your traditional bow and? Yep. Yeah. So my, my, let's see, my Tung Sudo school, when I was that, I was 10. So they, back then they wouldn't actually let kids do weapons. So I didn't get to do them in class, but we had a local sporting goods store who would actually sell martial arts weapons to kids, which now I think is probably, probably illegal. (laughs) But I mean, I literally walked into a store and I could buy bow staff, nunchuck, butterfly knife when I was like 10 or 11 years old, which is kind of scary when you think about it. (laughs) Yeah. But the, the most weapons training I've had has been in my traditional Taekwondo school, but we've done, we've done bow, we've done we've done nunchuck we've done three sectional staff we've done short staff we've done sai we've done tonfa pretty much any any weapon you can probably think of we we've done it at some point so yeah, it's nice. fun it's a, it, it just adds another level to your training and it's it's a lot of fun and my you know, my favorite is probably bow staff because to me that's probably the most practical because if you know yeah you could use a broomstick you could use a pool cue or something like that and it's yeah absolutely actually know how to handle yourself so yeah yeah, I, f- I do find the weapons so fascinating, even just from like a, a historical perspective. I think it's just a really cool section of martial arts history. I love it. Good. Well, ho- hopefully you'll you'll find a time to start doing that then. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, but... yeah, I'd like to, for sure. So now you mentioned Sue. Uh, that was going to bring my next question. So talk about, first of all, how you met Sue and then how the idea for the podcast came about. Uh, how I met Sue. So Sue, uh, she started training before my instructor retired. So when it was still his club. And I think it was only probably about six months to a year before that finished that she okay. started. And then, yeah, she was just one of the ones that stuck with me when I took the club over. And eventually, yeah, she came to train with, with, with Joe when I did. It was uh, basically me, uh, Sue, and then uh, another one of our friends called Brad, who trained with us at the time. We, the three of us kind of went over to start training with Joe. Okay. Yeah, but the podcast came from <laughs> essentially Sue asking me questions okay. during training. So we would, uh, the three of us would get together on a, on a separate night and just train ourselves to kind of, just because that's what we were used to. So we kind of just got some extra training in. And uh, Brad was normally late. <laughs> so the time we spent waiting for Brad was Sue asking me questions about things. Nice. And, she's, and then it was her idea to say, you know, I'd love to turn this into a podcast. I think it'd be kind of cool, the, the idea of a student asking a teacher questions. And I said, yeah, all right, yeah, let's, let's give it a go. That, that's my version of, yeah, I'd like to give it a go. It was more like, I'm too scared to do that. I know okay. I want to listen to what I have to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, we gave it a go. And um, we really enjoyed doing it. So and it, it just went from there, really. And how often do you release episodes? We tend to do maybe one every other week we try and try and get done okay it was definitely more infrequent but we've tried to be a bit more um strict with it nice okay. yeah we're definitely not as uh, as organized and professional as you by the sound of it <laughs> Yeah, well, like I said, I get a little crazy. I, if 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 I think I'm going to miss a week, I, I'll pull my hair out, and I don't have much to pull out. So I, I, I like I have to do. I, I have to figure this out. I have to I have to find a way to. And I'll find someone to do an interview, and I'll stay up all night editing it so I can get it ready. I've, I've done. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, one of my usually I, I release the episode just before midnight, so it's on all the apps by the next morning, and. My worst one, I think I was still editing it at 3 a.m. <laughs> to get it ready. Oh, wow. Yeah, just because I had to get it done. But obviously, I've gotten better yeah. at it over you know over the two years, and I, can, I usually know what I'm listening for a little better, and I can edit a little quicker, so that's good. It gets easier. <laughs> 
So yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. Sue literally does all the editing. Okay. I turn up. I talk. Talk nonsense for an hour, and then Sue deals with the rest. Okay. So now looking um, so at yeah, if it wasn't for yeah, if it wasn't for Sue, we wouldn't have the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, looking at the episodes, so it looks like some of the episodes are just the two of you, and then sometimes you have guests. So can, just what can people expect if they tune in and listen? Uh, you can expect me talking nonsense for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's just the, if it's just the two of us, we kind of just talk and see what happens. Where, where there's two of us, we sometimes go in with a topic we want to talk about, but we kind of just the whole podcast started from just us having a conversation, seeing where it went. So that's kind of where we like to to keep it. Okay. Um, so it's kind of I guess if if you listen to just the two of us, it's kind of just like sitting in a room with us while we're having a, a conversation. Nice. And then, yeah, the, the guests, obviously, we're a little bit more prepared to talk about, depending on who the guest is. We've recently started doing um, more and more UFC episodes. Oh, okay. Uh, with Matt Jardine, uh, who he joins us for those. We kind of, after every kind of big UFC pay-per-view, we get together and, and talk about that, mainly from what can we learn from watching it. That's what we kind of try and turn it into. Okay. You can expect to listen to me and Sue chatting about anything and everything. And sometimes a little bit of martial arts. Nice. And then, yeah, the guest ones are definitely more more professional. Okay. And who are some of the guests you've had, some of the ones that stand out? Uh, well, we, to, one of the recent ones that really stood out, we had Baz Rutan, which was really cool. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we managed to get him, which was uh, thanks to another one of our guests, who's Chris Hansen, uh, who runs uh, Karate Unity. And he's everywhere. If you haven't seen him, uh, if you just search Karate Unity, he's, he's everywhere. He's, he's an awesome guy. Um, and he put us into to contact with him. So that was down to Chris, really. So, yeah, we've had Baz Rutan, Chris. Um, we spoke to Ian Abernethy. Nice. Patrick McCarthy was a really fun one. We spoke to him for about four hours, I think. Wow. I think we asked one question, and, uh, and yeah, then Pat talked for four hours. It was great. That's awesome. And uh, we spoke to um, Chuck Merriman as well last, I think it was either last year or the year before. Okay. Shortly before he passed away, which was, which was a really, really great conversation to have. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah, man. there are, there are a few. There's plenty more that I'm I'm definitely missing. But yeah, we it, it's it's something I never thought. I definitely never thought I'd be sat down speaking to Baz Rutan. So yeah, that's, yeah, it's it's cool. I actually just put in my my request to get him about two weeks ago. So I'm waiting to hear back from his assistant. So fingers crossed. Oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah. he'd be oh, he'd be fun to he, talk he's to. He's a great guy. Yeah, I've been. Yeah, oh, he's brilliant. Yeah, it's. I mean, when I was in radio. For years, I, I mean, it was hard to get some some big name guests. It really was, but it seems like it's easier for podcasters. <laughs> I mean, I've had some. I've been lucky. I mean, I've had you know some of Bruce Lee's original students. I just had uh, um, Simon Ree. I just interviewed two days ago. Uh, okay, for, I've seen some. Yeah, some of your guests. I, yeah. I, I've been looking through, and I was like, wow. Yeah, I know. It's been like really. I mean, when they say yes, I'm sometimes a little shocked. <laughs> So yeah, I know the feeling. Because <laughs> I, I and, and, and you know, when I had the idea for the show, I reached out to a lot of people. And I was like, if this many people say yes, then I'll do the show. If this many, if, if I get a bunch of no's, and like the first like thirty people I asked all said yes. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. <laughs> I guess we're doing a yeah. show. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's just fun. Awesome. And, and I've had some, many people tell me that's just it's so important, especially you know, like you said, you had the one guest that passed away. It's like you, those those are the important ones because. For all yeah. you know, for all you know, you could have been their last interview. I I interviewed James DeMaio, who was you know one of Bruce Lee's original students in Seattle in the fifties, mm. 
and I was his last interview before he died. And it's like, oh, wow. those, those are important. That That's historical. You know, the fact that someone's yeah, recording it and, and having a conversation, letting these people tell their stories. It's so, so important what we do. So it's, I mean, it, yeah. it's fun too when we enjoy it, but it's also really, really important. Absolutely. Sure. That's good. And so who would be kind of, uh, who would be one of your guests that you haven't had that you, you desperately want? Well, obviously one that I'd love to get that I, I know I'm not going to because he doesn't really do interviews anymore is Chuck Norris. I mean, obviously that'd be, That'd be really, yeah, that'd be really, really cool. (laughs) But I'm trying to think. I mean, there's so many huge ones. I'm trying to get Bill Superfoot Wallace. I think, yeah, I think he'd be, and I'd love to get Benny the Jet Yurkides. Those are two, those are two from the beginning that I've, I've been really hoping to get. You know, I've had some of my dream guests. I mean, I had Simon Rhea, I had Adrian Paul from Highlander, another great one. People, it's, you know, I'd love to get Randy Couture. I think he'd be fun. He'd be fun to chat, chat with. I think I'm getting Greg Jackson in a couple of weeks, which will be kind of cool. So, I mean, it's, Oh, really? yeah, yeah. Well, I had, I interviewed his manager and, and he, not his manager, but his school manager. And he basically said, yeah. he said he'd set it up for me. So, oh, cool. so yeah, kind of excited about that. Frank Grillo is a dream guest. I'd love to get him. I mean, yeah. love the TV show kingdom, obviously like someone like a Jackie Chan or a Jet Li. Those are ones I haven't even tried, <laughs> but I might just, yeah. <laughs> worst they can do is say no. So I think absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, I have a lot. And, you know, one of the first guests I thought about when I was doing the show was, uh, I don't know if you watch the, like the American Ninja Warrior competition, like the obstacle course competitions. There's a competitor named Jesse. I've never watched it, but I know what you mean. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jesse Graff, she's, she's one of the top female competitors on there, but she's also like a fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo and Judo. And she's a stunt woman. She was like a stunt woman in the Wonder Woman movie. And and she's done stuff like that. I'd love to get her. I've been trying to get her. I'm also trying to get Shannon Lee. You know Bruce Lee's daughter. Oh wow, that would that would be yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but I mean, I've also, yeah. but I've had I've had Ed Parker Jr. on my show. You know, I've had yeah. You know, so I've, I every time I'm like, you know, I'd love to get this person, but man, I've also had this person, this person, and this person. So it's you know, mm. I, I'm definitely blessed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, I, sure. I, yeah, you've had, you definitely had some some good names. Yeah, and I've I've only had a couple people flat out say no, and I've had two guests try to charge me to be on the show. So, oh um, really? Yeah, and for them, I'm like, you know, no, I, I like I don't I don't make any money doing the show, so I'm not going to pay you. <laughs> And, yeah, absolutely. And when, when bigger names than that are are saying yes, <laughs> like okay, no, I'll just go with that. Yeah, I, yeah you know, sure. Sensei Fumio Demura, I just had a few weeks ago. I, I saw that. That yeah. was that was probably, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that one was shocking. That was, I mean, that another one of those just super important interviews. Such a gracious man, absolutely amazing storyteller. So yeah, it's cool. I'd I'd also yeah. love to get Pat Johnson. Pat Johnson's another one I won't mind getting. So. Mm-hmm. so yeah i got my list <laughs> how about you who are some of your dream, yeah. <laughs> dream guests you'd like to get oh wow um i'd love to speak to um i mean if i'm going really high in the sky george st pierre would be one oh, that'd be fun that i'd love to speak to just because i think he in terms of like a, a karate practitioner who's taken it all the way to the top there's no one really better than him i don't think right yeah, he'd be good. so yeah he would be one. Oh, who else throw me on the spot now <laughs> Um, his coach would be a, another good one for us, Sahabi. Would be, okay. would be a great one for me to talk to. Some of the old school MMA guys, like yeah, like you said, Randy Couture would be good. And to be honest, I'd like to just speak to some of the guests we've already had again. Oh, okay. Um, because just because it's been a couple of years since we spoke, and I think we're far better at speaking to people now. Do you yep. know what I mean? So I think yep. get get a far different conversation than we had then. So that would be kind of interesting. Definitely Pat McCarthy. I'd love to speak to again. 
Yeah. That's actually a good point. Cause yeah, I, I also, I listened to some of my first maybe 10 or 15 interviews and there's questions I wish I would have asked that I didn't. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Even, even though I kind of have. The, and also you know, at the time you're kind of awestruck sometimes as well. So you just kind of sat there going, am I really doing this? True. True. So, so yeah, no, that's actually a great point. Yeah. That's, you know, at some point I'll probably get to the point where I'll go back and maybe bring some other guests on, but you know, you know, it's, at this point, I'm just having so much fun <laughs> bringing new people on and chatting with new people. Yeah, you know, one one of my goals is I want to have the host of every martial arts podcast out there on my show because it's it's oh that's a cool idea yeah just because I, I love I love listening to them <laughs> and it's to me we can we can all help each other we're all kind of the same mission we're spreading spreading the love of martial arts and there's you know yeah for sure and I don't know I I need to look and see how many of them are still active because there's a lot that are out there that aren't active that maybe went for a little while yeah. and stopped and but I've had I've had I think five six or seven of them on my show already so which is good. So yeah, yeah, it's and and yeah, the martial arts podcast world seems to have taken. Well, I mean, podcasting in general has. Yeah. But yeah, martial arts. I never thought would be the, the space for podcasting, but it seems everyone's doing one at the moment. It's great. I know when I it first gives us a lot to listen to. It's, yeah. It's good. Well, when I first had the idea, I think there was only like two active ones, <laughs> and then by the time I oh, really? put in all the work and built up all the interviews, I'm like, all right, now there's like ten. <laughs> So, you know, it's, yeah. it's good, you know, and some of those 10 are no longer going, but some of them still are. And, and like I said, it's just, it's, it's good. We, you know, thinking back, you know, talking about when I was in radio again, that's something you never would have. I mean, radio hosts wouldn't have people from other radio shows on their show, <laughs> competing shows. Yeah. You know, they were, they were, the, they were the enemy. They were the competition that would never happen. But, you know, podcast and martial artists is just different. I, mean, I tried starting a martial arts radio show back in the nineties and no, oh, really? no radio stations would put me on. I I mean, I, like I said, I was working in radio full time and I pitched the idea and they wouldn't do it. And one of the stations I worked at in about 2006 or 2007, I even went out, I found four sponsors and had like 15 guests lined up because we had uh, the, the area I'm in, we have about 35 martial arts schools within about a 20 mile radius, 25 mile radius. Oh wow! And I went and talked to all these schools and they're like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll sponsor it. We'll put ads on blah, blah. And I went to the station manager. Here's the deal. I got a show idea. I got guests. I got sponsors. He's like, no, people won't listen. I'm like, what? Are you insane? <laughs> like I have businesses <laughs> willing to give you money to put ads on the show and you don't want to do it. So he wasn't very bright. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I mean, it's that loss. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, obviously I wish, yeah, I wish I could have started it back in the, in the nineties. Cause there's other people I would have loved to have get that are no longer with us back then and stuff. And yeah, for sure. people that I met, but you know, important thing is we're doing it now. So <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I'll definitely, I'll put links for your website and your, and your podcast and everything on the show notes for sure when the episode comes out. Cool, yeah. We'll have to get you on with us as well. Oh, that'd be fun. And we'll do the reverse of this. Yeah, it'd be a blast. Yeah, so, we'll do that. So what is some advice you would give someone looking to get involved in martial arts for the first time? They know nothing about martial arts and they just want to know what they should look for. You know, what, are, what should they look for in a school? What should they look for in an instructor? And maybe some things they should avoid. The first thing I would say to anyone who wants to do martial arts is, is try and find the reason that you're doing it or that you want to do it and, and try and have that reason as clear as possible because the reason you want to do it will dictate the kind of school you go to. Um, so, you know, if, if your pure reason is I want to do this for self-defense, then you need to be very careful about the kind of place you go. The same as if you want to, you know, if you want to do it to become a, a great competition fighter, you need to pick the school that you go to. Um, so that'd be the main thing for me okay. um, is, is try and be very clear about what you want to do, where you want to go, so you know how to get there. Um, cool. As for what to look for, honestly, I think just a fun environment in terms of a martial arts school. I think 
a lot of the traditional martial arts school is very strict. You're one person at the front, you do your line work, mm-hmm. which is great. That's fine. But for me, I, I definitely prefer the, the more community-based where everyone's having a good time and a laugh. doesn't mean the class is not well-run and right. not disciplined. It just, you know, you, you want to have fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. That's, if, you, if you're not having fun, it's not worth doing. And I think any any school that teaches kids now has pretty much had to adopt that over the last 20 years. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it's yeah, changed so yeah. much. Yeah, for sure. That, that's one thing I noticed in our school back in the 90s, and I, I've been at the same school since 1994, but back then, you know, kids' class, you know, they'd may, maybe like once a month or once every other month they'd play a gaming class, like if they a special yeah. occasion or after they tested and now it's like almost every class you almost have to do a game. I mean, they obviously they disguise it as exercise, so they're still getting exercise. They're warming up. Yes, like, absolutely. Yeah, of like we do. We do uh, two of my favorites. We do roundhouse baseball, where they set up the pads as nice. bases, and the kids have to kick the little ball with a roundhouse, but then they have to hop around, like squat down and like a duck thing, and hop around the bases. So they're working out their legs, or they have to do the crab walk yeah. to get around the bases. And then another one we do is called penguin soccer, which I love watching the kids do. They, we actually tie their feet together. <laughs> so they have to hop and <laughs> kick with both feet. <laughs> and it's, it's obviously, we I'll have, be honest, I, I, I want to play these games now. They're, they are fun. So, they, they are fun, but it's, it's you, you know, and, you're just giving me an idea for the weekend's class to be fair. <laughs> well, there you go. I've had a few people take that idea from me. So and the kids love it. And honestly, we've done it with the adults too. And the adults love it too. <laughs> so, yeah, it does. It does sound like good fun. Well, and let's see. So, so you've talked about the MMA and the UFC a little bit already. So, I'm assuming you you are a fan. So, yeah. Curious. Then, are you more a fan of the modern day MMA and UFC, or do you prefer the old school where there was you know not as many rules and it was no weight classes and style against style? Which which do you prefer? I prefer the modern day mainly because that's where I kind of got into it. Okay. I didn't really pay much attention to it back in the day. Oh, okay. Mainly because I thought it was, again, like I said about BJJ, it just wasn't martial arts. It was just people dumped in a cage and fighting. <laughs> right. I could definitely appreciate the old stuff. I think without it, martial arts would be in a very different place Agreed. today. So, yeah, I, I definitely like to go back and watch some of the older stuff. But in terms of just quality of, of the martial arts that you see now, um, it's just... It's so much, so much more uh, refined and improved, and it's almost an art into itself now. MMA, so, right? Yeah, I definitely prefer the newer stuff. Okay, but I can appreciate the old stuff as well. Yeah, I definitely recommend if you ever go back and watch UFC one through six. <laughs> They're just it's. Yeah, I've 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 watched UFC one. Okay. Um, yeah, so I will I will go back and check out the other ones. Nice. So yeah, yeah. It's right. very different. It's 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 completely different now. It's crazy to see how far it's come, really. And it's crazy to think that that was even allowed back then. <laughs> yep, exactly. Like yeah. when you watch it, you go, how, how, did they get, how did they get away with this? Yep. And if you go back yeah. and listen to one of my uh, earlier episodes, I interviewed a gentleman named Fred Edish, who actually competed in UFC number two. So, okay. yeah, yeah. So it's kind of fun to hear those stories. And yeah, I mean, it was, it's completely, I mean, like you said, bonkers to think they would actually allow that back then. And I mean, literally yeah. the, the very first one, I think actually had, it might've had zero rules. And I think the second one, it was no biting, no eye gouging, mm-hmm. no fish hooking. Everything else was allowed. Yeah. And yeah. I want to say it was UFC two or three. I still remember it was a uh, chemo Leopold versus a guy named Joe son, I think was the fight. And one of them got the other one in like a cradle hold and hit him in the groin like 15 times. <laughs> 
Oh, and you know, I'm probably like 20 years old, me and like seven, eight friends watching this. And we're like, this is awesome. (laughs) We had never seen anything like that before. And I'm like, obviously nowadays that would not be allowed, but (laughs) to live through that and see it change over the years, it's definitely been been an experience. That's for sure. Yeah, sure. I suppose when you watch the older ones as well, you you realize the steps they had to take to get it to where it is today. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, it it came close to not existing. It came very close to being gone because because of all that stuff. So they, I mean, they, they had to make the changes or if they didn't make the changes, it would not be here now. So (laughs) I do, I do like the, uh, the tournament bracket style that that would be cool if they did that again. Yeah, and, and they do it in some countries. The U.S. just doesn't allow it. You know, the the, yeah. the UFC won't do it, but, you know, some countries still allow that for MMA. And I've judged probably a 1,000 MMA fights going back to, like, 2003, 2004. Oh, wow. I actually got to judge like one or two tournaments like that before the commissions were in place and it was still kind of, yeah. you know, a little shady and stuff. And, I mean, I judge fights where they literally pulled people out of the audience to fight because <laughs> they, you know, fighter didn't show up or something. And they're like, who wants to make 200 yeah, bucks? Like I'll do it. You know, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was definitely a different time back then. <laughs> mm. nice. So you judged MMA. How do you, how do you feel about the MMA judging? Cause that's a, a controversial subject now. It is. And, and honestly, I'm not as much of a fan as I used to be. So I, I, I probably haven't sat down and watched a full MMA event in over five years. Oh, okay. And, and I need to just because of it, because, because of my show. And I've had a few guys ask me about that. So I actually need to sit down and watch someone. And I, and I, and I know, and it's, it's judging always been controversial. It always has been, Yeah. you know, because a lot of States, there was like no requirements on what it took to be a judge. There was people judging that had no martial arts backgrounds at all that were, mm. they're like, here, look for it's this. Crazy. Yeah. Look for this, look for this, look for this and, and write down who you think won. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy, kind of scary. It's, it's obviously a lot of States now have at least some kind of training that you have to do. I've, I've had to go through trainings in, in three different states, you know, over the years to, to be able to do it and actually get certified. I actually trained with Big John McCarthy, went to a two-day seminar with him and stuff and did some training. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I took it seriously when I did it, but the whole reason I got out of it, because it was, I mean, anytime there was a split decision, <laughs> we, we judges would get threatened by people. It's like, you yeah. screwed my fighter. I had well, one of the main reasons I got out of it. It just, it wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've heard a lot about the controversy and I know they're trying to, you know, they, uh, there's even some states that are, I don't know if this has happened yet, but I know a couple of years ago I heard there were some states talking about actually having the judges, instead of watching the cage, actually watching monitors. So they'd have multiple camera angles and get a better idea of what's going on. And that one, you know, that's one, one idea when, yeah. I, when, I was, when I was helping train other judges, I tried to get the state to actually pay for that. I said, well, next time we do an event, let's set up three cameras and have the, basically put like a head camera on each judge. So then yeah. when we do a training video, instead of showing a training video with 15 camera angles from the UFC and telling people what to look for, because no judge will ever see that, I said, let's show them one with three different angles and say, if you're sitting on this side, you'll see this. If you're on the, you can see this is why this guy gave him the point, but the other judge gave him the point because he, oh. he could only see his back. And they, they never took that idea, and I think that would be a really good way to do it, but... You know. Yeah, for sure. So who knows? But it's yeah. I think there's definitely a, there's a lot of room for improvement. I think in the in the way things are judged. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, I need to start watching it again. I need. We have a local event coming up. I think in September. I'm going to try to get to that one because we used to have so many huh. local events that probably a couple years before the pandemic hit, they just kind of the commission went through a lot of changes, and I think we went like three or four years without an event when we used to have oh, al- wow. almost one or two a month locally. I mean, I, I was yeah. I was judging a lot uh, in between the between the three states I judged. I was doing a good amount of you know at least probably twenty events a year for a while. 
I mean, you figure from about, you know, 2004 till about probably 2000, you know, it just probably 11, 12 years. I did, you know, almost, you know, a thousand fights. So, all right. Yeah. So well, if, you, if, you, if you are going to get back into it this year, there's been some great, great cards. So. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to look into yeah. it again. I, I really have to. So I, and now that, you know, I have another kid going off to college, so I'll maybe have a little more free time. So <laughs> maybe I can do that. Okay. But. So who are some names that you would put on your personal, like Mount Rushmore of martial arts? Like just some, some people you truly look up to, you admire, they can either be people that you've met and trained with, or just people you admire from afar know someone like a bruce lee type thing just who are some you know two three four names that you'd put on the top of your list oh that's a good question that's a very good question how many is mount rushmore that's probably gonna sound really mount rushmore is four but it can be i mean i've had some guests say two yeah Yeah, i had some uh, one guest say two i had one guest give me about 12 names so (laughs) it's kind of up to you oh i'm I'm gonna try and stick with four okay i'll try and stick with four uh bruce lee's got to be there right He, he has to be nice yeah i mean yeah, Bruce Lee's a massive influence on me. So he's he's got to be there. Okay. George St. Pierre. Nice. Okay. Oh, this is a good question. I could sit here for hours and think about it. <laughs> I, would, I would put Ian Abernethy on there. You're the second person that has mentioned him, so that's good. <laughs> nice. Um, just uh, mainly because he was kind of the one that opened uh, opened my eyes to the stuff karate was missing and kind of uh, let, let me down that, that path. Uh, okay, I'm going to go historical for the last one. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to say uh, Gichi Funakoshi. Oh, great answer. Because without, I mean, he, he gets a lot of uh, smack talked about him from me as well, mm-hmm. to be fair, in in, in jest, though, with mm-hmm. that joke. But I mean, in reality, without what he did to karate, good or bad, we you know, we wouldn't be having this conversation today if it wasn't for him. So. Exactly. Surprisingly, yeah. you're the first guest that said him, actually, if I remember. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of surprised because he, like I said, he's... Uh, Especially, I, I've interviewed at least four or five guys that have been Shotokan. I'm surprised you're the first one that's mentioned. Oh, wow. so that's really good. What was what are some common names? Honestly, I mean, obviously Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris are probably two of the most common ones. But yeah. a lot of it's people like their own instructors. They'll name, you know, some. I think Jet Li has been named. Jackie Chan has been named. I'd say Bruce Lee and Chuck Norris are the two most common ones. Ed Parker has probably been named a handful of times. And, and then a lot of them, you know, a lot of guests come up with names that no one ever has, which is kind of cool. So, nice. all right. Okay. So in all your years of martial arts, is there a philosophy you've learned that is really important to you that rises to the top of your list that you keep coming back to? Yes. And it goes back to Bruce Lee. Okay. Just his, his philosophy of absorbing what's useful and rejecting what's useless. Nice. That is something that, especially recently that I, I, I use a lot. Um, I'm very, I used to be very careful about dismissing things in mm-hmm. terms of like, you know, I don't want to offend the traditional people or whatever, as if they're going to come down to my school and be like, what are you doing? How dare you not do this? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you move your foot two degrees the wrong way in that kind of, so that's not acceptable. So I'm, I'm much more free with kind of just dumping stuff that I don't find useful anymore. Okay. So yeah, I, I, I think Bruce Lee was, was onto something. Yeah. Believe it or not. Agreed. All right. So yeah. a, a few fun questions to wrap it up. Now this one, favorite, okay. favorite martial arts book. Oh, favorite martial arts book. Uh, okay. That's a good question. I've got a lot of martial arts books as well. Nice. And at some point I'm actually going to get around to compiling a list of every book, my guests have named and put it on my website. I've, I've been asked to do that. I just need to find the time to do it. <laughs> so cool. Mm, okay. Well, this is a tough question. 
I try to go for favorite in terms of content or just like overall look presence. Yeah. And if you want to name two, you can. That's fine. Oh, okay. I'll give you. I'll give you two. Okay. For kind of just historical interest, mm-hmm. I really like uh, Neptune Publications did a a reproduction of Gichin Funakoshi's Karate Kyohan. Oh, cool. Okay. And uh, with with all the original photographs and. It was it was kind of a, a fresh translation wow. from start to finish. Okay. And they released one, I think it must be about ten years ago, they released a hardcover which was like an identical copy of the original Japanese with a, a sleeve and, and everything like that, which was okay. really, really nice in a limited run. And then they also did the paperback one. So the paperback one is the one that I'll get out and flick through occasionally. Okay. And the hardcover one is the one that I rarely touch anymore. Very cool. But that's one just because of yeah, historically, it's got some really nice stuff in there, and it's a nice glimpse into the past. The other one I want to choose is, uh, it's called Four Shades of Black. Hmm, not familiar with uh, that one. By Gavin Mulholland. Okay. It's a Gojiru book. I mean, I don't study Gojiru, but I just, I love that it, it, it's a coffee table book, essentially. It's a beautiful book. It looks really nice. It's something that you could just give to anyone who has no interest in martial arts, and they go, this looks really cool. Um, and the stuff in it's really good as well, so that, that's another one. I'll throw in there. Nice. Yeah, I'm actually reading about it right now on Amazon. I'm going to be adding that to my list because I love martial yeah, arts it's, books. It's, it's just a really nice, it's so well put together. It's, it's really nice. Okay. And this, this one, I'm excited to hear your answer because I know you said you were into video games. So favorite martial arts video game? Oh, that's easy because I just, well, I say just finished playing it. I finished playing it about a couple of months ago. Uh, it's Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, never heard of that one. Okay. Um, it's, it only came out a couple of years ago. It's... Uh, you, you play a, a samurai in feudal Japan um, dealing with the Mongol invasion. It's, okay. it's fantastic. It's incredible. Nice. I might have to check. One, one of, if not the, the best video game I've played. Wow. I'm not, I don't, yeah, it's, I it's don't play games cool. like I used to, but that one actually sounds cool. I might have to check that out. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I remember hearing about it when they announced it years and years ago, thinking, oh, this is going to be really cool. And it's just a stunning game to look at as well. Okay. Um, it's one of those with very minimal kind of like, you know, prompts on the screen and stuff. So you just get the, some really nice views of Japan. It's nice. Nice. Well, I'll add it to my list for sure. I want to check that out. So All right. yeah, how about it. a favorite martial arts TV show? Cobra Kai. Cool. You're a Cobra Kai fan. Okay. It's got to be Cobra Kai. <laughs> nice. As such, cheesy as it is. Oh, such a fun it's, show. <laughs> it's so good. It's, I love it. So now, when you watched it the first season, did you go back and watch rewatch the Karate Kid first? No, I didn't. Really? Okay. Okay. But I mean, I've I've seen the I've seen the first three Karate Kid films. I don't count the next Karate Kid. <laughs> Neither. Just, just just the first. Three. Right. Yep. Even though, having said that, if if uh, what's her name, Hillary Swank showed up in the show, I'd be all for it. That would so, be cool. That actually would be cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, those first three I've seen so many times that I could probably. Nice. I probably recite most of it. I've seen them a lot. So. I have friends that watch Cobra Kai that have never seen their Karate Kid. I'm like, you're missing so many little Easter eggs. You're missing oh, really? so much. Yeah, I'm like, you have to go watch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy. But you know, I I rewatch Karate Kid at least once a year anyway. And every yeah, I, love, I think the the first Karate Kid movie is is spectacular. I think it's great. That's the reason I got into martial arts. That came out. I was ten years old. Oh, really? I went opening night on a Friday night in my hometown, and when we were walking out of the movie theater, there was two gentlemen there, 
handing out little yellow cars and it was for free free month of karate lessons in Tung Sudo. Genius. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah. Genius. Especially in nineteen eighty four. Genius. I mean no one else would yeah. and yeah, so that Monday night I jumped into Tung Sudo for the first time in my life and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of cool, and I've actually interviewed that 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 instructor has been on my show, so kind of cool. <laughs> but yeah, that 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 movie will always have a very special place in my heart. Yeah, it's great. Cool, I like it. it's it's such a brilliant film. Nice. Well, so speaking of that, favorite martial arts movie? I it's, it's got to be the original Karate Kid. Yeah. Nice. Can, yeah, ne- can never go wrong with that answer. <laughs> no, I mean I could say Enter the Dragon. Enter yep. the Dragon is probably a close second. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Pat Morita as as Mister Miyagi is just. Something special, you can't beat that. Yeah. Oh, he he definitely owned that role. I mean, no, I could not have pictured any. I mean, I realized that they, they, they tried to get Fumio Demura to play that role, and, and he, yeah. he turned it down, and obviously they, they made the right choice of Pat Morita because he, he, he mm-hmm. was Mr. Miyagi. I mean, he, he was so, such a perfect role. I, I only wish he could have been alive long enough to see Cobra Kai and to see the resurgence of the popularity. Yeah. I do love how he's... Uh, he's such a presence throughout the show. Yes, yes, they they um, they definitely I did think that. They've done that really well. Yeah, very respectfully, and yeah, it's such an important yeah. part of it. So very, very cool. Yeah, no, that's yeah. I'd say I'd say Enter the Dragon's probably in my top five too. And then I usually go yeah. Karate Kid, Enter the Dragon, and then usually like a Best of the Best and uh, the Perfect Weapon are probably my my top four. So <laughs> okay, if I if I was to have to give you two more, I think Rush Hour would be one. Ooh. That's another good one, Jackie Chan. Nice. I, I love, especially the first. I think the first one's great. Yeah. All right. So, final question. This one doesn't have to be a martial arts movie, but do you just have a favorite movie fight scene? Oh wow, that's a really good question. Yeah. I just added that one like a month or two ago. I started asking it. So. Oh, a favorite movie fight scene from any movie, not just a it martial arts. Doesn't. Movie. Ha- I mean, it can be martial arts, but it doesn't have to be. Um, the, the inner geek in me is screaming, so I'm gonna go with it. And I'm going to say the um, the kind of the final battle of Avengers Endgame. Oh, nice! That's a great. No one, no one has said that yet. That's a great answer. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, just just in t- just because of the the culmination of ten years worth of films. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. In one big kind of, it was like a comic book come to life. It was great. So yeah. Nice. I'm gonna go with that one. See now, as a, as a comic book fan, and you asked me some dream guests, I'd love to have some of the people who have been involved in Marvel stuff that are martial artists. Like, I'd love Clark Gregg. I'd love to have him because he's okay. like, yeah, he's a black belt in BJJ. So I didn't I, know that. Yeah, yeah, Agent Coulson. I'd love to have him on the show. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, so and, and uh, Ray Park, who was in you know the the original yeah. X Men movies. You know, I'd love to have him on the show. So. He's Darth Maul in Star Wars, right? As well. Yep, yep. He was Darth Maul, and so some more, some more dream guests there. Any, you know, any, anyone like that who's involved in martial arts would be cool. And and actually, one, the one that I've I've always talked about having on the show is John Cusack. And okay, he's one of my all-time favorite actors, and he's studied kickboxing since like the early '80s. He was, he was trained with Benny the Jet back then, and he's actually used it in a few movies. He'd be another fun one. But see, it's amazing when you, when, you, when you think about martial arts and movies; it's just everywhere now. But even even without you realizing it, it's just it's everywhere. Yeah, and it's it's and the technology and the the stunts have become so good. It's it's also the bad part about that is 
it's tough for the general people to realize who's a real martial artist and who isn't. Because yeah, some of these guys, they make them look like, I mean, like Keanu Reeves. They make Keanu Reeves look like he's a 1030 black belt in some of these movies he's done, and he's not a martial artist. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's that's the only bad thing about it is, you know, people just assume they are and stuff. And I do love the Matrix films, though. Yeah. The, Especially the first one. Yeah, first one's the best one, definitely. Oh, by far, yeah. And that's another thing with, like, I'll, I'll watch anything to do with martial arts. <laughs> <laughs> no matter how bad if, yeah. it's, if it's horrible i won't watch it again but if it's good i'll watch it multiple times so yeah if i'm ever in like a a used dvd store and I, any kind of martial arts movie if they have it i'll buy it so <laughs> way too many yeah i love going back to some of the really old bad martial arts films yep i went through i went through a phase once where when i was probably about 16 where i would buy up you know like all the bruce is it uh bruce mcpolitan films they called them after Bruce Lee died, where you get all these Bruce Lee imposters and they make essentially fake Bruce Lee films. Yes, there were some really bad ones. <laughs> I kind of went through a phase of just buying up as many of those as I could <laughs> find and developing a weird collection of odd nice, fake Bruce Lee films. So then have you seen the early 80s comedy movies, They Call Me Bruce and They Still Call Me Bruce? No, I haven't seen that. <laughs> you should watch those. <laughs> Okay. They're, they, they're, they call me Bruce and they still call me yeah, Bruce. Yeah, they call me Bruce as the first one. They still call me Bruce as a sequel. It's a, a comedian named is it Johnny Yun is his name. He's, he was a, he's okay. like a stand-up comedian. I don't think he's an, has any actual martial arts training. Basically, he everywhere he in the movie everywhere he goes he gets mistaken for Bruce Lee because he looks like him, <laughs> something like that. And what? and I, I just remember his tagline, if I remember it correctly, when he's like confronting someone, he's like with 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 this hand I'll punch your nose, with this foot I'll kick your face. Take a good look at my face. I'm an Oriental. <laughs> it's just it's really <laughs> cheesy and really bad, but they're they're entertaining. <laughs> if, if you like the, the okay. If you like bad ones, you got to watch them. (laughs) I'll I'll check that out. Yeah. So anything else, Greg, that you want want to mention before I let you go? This has been so much fun. I mean, I'm definitely a fan of the podcast. I I need to go back and listen to some of your older older episodes too. And I'm actually getting ready to be taking a a really long car trip in next month. So I'll be listening to a lot of podcasts while I'm driving 17 hours. So (laughs) So yeah, I'll be building up a 17 hour car drive to drop my son off to college. So yeah, then 17 hours there, 17 hours back. So it'll be, I mean, obviously I won't do it all in once. We'll break it up a little bit. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's tough. But yeah, you know, my kids will have their headphones in and playing their video games, so I'll just be listening to podcasts the whole time. So it'll be good. Yeah, that's why I listen to most of mine, to be fair, is in the car. Yep, me too. I, I can't really listen to them at home because I'm, I'm usually at home. I'm too busy doing other stuff or I'm editing audio. But mm. anytime I'm in the car, I pop on a podcast. I, it used to be just music. And once I got hooked on podcast, I'm like, oh, okay, this is my new thing in the car. So it's good. Yeah, yeah, for me, it's po- podcasts and audiobooks lately. I can't do audio. I like reading too much. I can't do audiobooks. I I have to read it myself, oh, okay. which is weird because I love podcasts, but I, I just I can't do yeah. audio. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna do a book, I have to read it myself. That's just uh, oh, that's, that's just me. I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of weird like that, but cool. But no, seriously, from the bottom of my heart, it's, uh, thank you. This seriously has been so much fun. I've enjoyed it a lot. I will, no, thank you for asking me. Yeah. It's, been, it's been great. Yeah, cool. And I I will get it get a hold of you. Let's say it'll, it'll probably be about a month before your episode comes out. I think you're about four episodes no ahead. Worries, yeah. Um, but I'll send you the link and and anything else you want. And uh, if you want to send me a picture to put with the episode of you, or I can just take the one off your website. Whatever you want me to do. But it's been oh, a yeah, blast. Awesome, That's fine. Cool, cool, and, uh, and we'll, um, we'll definitely set set up having you come on ours as well. That'd be great. Yeah, definitely. Let me know. I can, we can make it work, and and uh, we we will be in yeah. touch. But uh, appreciate your time, and enjoy the rest of your yeah, your, your, you your late evening. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, it's uh, what time is it here now? 
just gone half past midnight, so it's not too bad. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think you're I'm just... off work tomorrow, so I can have a lie. Oh, okay, that's not bad then. That's not bad. You're actually my no, it's all right. my, my second guest from the UK this week, so <laughs> I know oh, really? I know all about the, the the time zones and the, the time changes and stuff. So it's I, I I appreciate you working with me like that. So no, no problem at all. Well, you enjoy your night, and I will. I gotta get ready for another interview. So. <laughs> That will enjoy. Thanks again for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. We'll, we'll be in touch. Thanks a lot. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Take well, care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.